Welcome to the Tearing It Up podcast. I'm your host, Taryn. We'll be tearing it up, tearing it down, and tearing it apart, dissecting all things related to those who deviate from the standard. From leaders of their industry to leaders of mediocrity, and maybe a gear review or two thrown in. We shoot the shit and let the conversations flow, so if that's not your style, this may not be for you. Otherwise, listen in. Hope to light a fire in you somehow. Hello, everybody. Oh my God. Okay. I just hit record and then I froze and I'm like, seriously, all this talk we were having offline about this great internet I'm borrowing, but um, dodged a bullet there. I thought I was losing it. Anyhow, we are here today with Emily Holland. Um, Another great conversation. I can feel it. It's going to happen. And I met Emily now. I always have to think of the time because it's 2024 now. So 2022 at the Outdoor Media Summit. Um, I, we were paired up in a scavenger hunt group and when she was also, did you speak at that summit? Are you, yeah. you were on one of the yep. panels. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I heard her speak and I was just like, oh my goodness, this woman seems like a podcast, like genius and goddess. So I have to like find out more about her. So I was super stoked to have been like been around here in that scavenger hunt and spent a little more just kind of like fun time. Uh, That was a really fun event they did that got you kind of out of the work mind. And so I started following her on all the platforms, LinkedIn, listening to her podcasts and things like that. And then she and Angie Marie, who we've had on the podcast, they created a little uh, group, a Wild Women's Podcast Society. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, I need to be a part of this. And I would love to connect and meet other women who are in the podcasting space and just have some people to bounce ideas off of, fears off of, or whatever off of. So I've been a part of that group since December. And Emily and Angie have just been so amazing um, and listen to all my crazy questions and ranting and all that. But um, so it's been nice to get to to know her a little bit more and to work with her. So Emily, I'm really excited to, to dive into some stuff today, learn more about you um, outside of the podcasting world. But will you tell the people where you are at, like physically in the world right now? Yeah, perfect. So I am in Boulder, Colorado. I am looking out at the Flatirons, kind of. I'm looking at you on the screen and out at the Flatirons. <laughs> and um, I love living here. I love being part of uh, quote unquote mountain community. Some people would say that this is a city now and not a mountain community, but there's an argument <coughs> to be made that it still is mountain. And I am a podcast consultant, so I work with all kinds of podcast clients, a lot in the outdoor industry, but beyond that as well to help them grow their show, make more money, and have more fun and energy doing those things. And beyond that, I have a small rescue dog from Haiti. She's really weird. She has a very big personality. You might see her in the background (laughs) during our, our call today. And I just love being outside. I, I love being in the sunshine. I have a couple different, you know, outdoor sports that I'm really into. And that is my biggest, biggest passion. So I'm just stoked to be able to share that with people. And uh, I'm really passionate about women supporting women um, in outdoor sports and beyond. And so this is going to be a great little chat mm-hmm. with the two of you. Yeah, absolutely. That is like the epitome of our our guests, epitome, like just the outdoor lover, women supporter, mm-hmm. um, which is why, I mean, we got this connection in the first place. It's just the passions are there. And I'm, I can't wait to learn how you got to where you are today. And this is like part of what the podcast is, is 
telling these stories, letting people know how they kind of like created their own path because podcasting obviously in the last few years has just gotten so, so, so popular, but I feel like it's still hard to imagine like jobs in the podcast world. That's not podcasting, right? Like, Oh, podcast producer. Like what, how do I, how do I get into that? And how the heck did you stumble upon it and start a career in it and end up freelancing in it? I can't wait to dive into all of that. Um, And I guess that means we have to kind of go in the, to the beginning. I'm curious how you ended up in Boulder. Yeah, I am from the Northeast. Big shout out to the Northeast, like doesn't get enough of a good rep when it comes to mountains and outdoor sports. So love the Northeast. And I spent a lot of time in my early 20s thinking I was a city person and thinking I was a career corporate girly. Turns out I was not. And um, I moved to Boulder in 2019 because me and my partner, we really wanted to be closer to things that we really love to do and be able to do them after work sometimes or before work and not every weekend we have to drive three hours to go be in the mountains somewhere. And so we moved here from Boston and I was still working in my corporate girly job and I was working with Fortune 500 companies and account management. So I have this pretty long sales background. But after the pandemic hit and after I got some clarity from stopping drinking and some real internal work, I decided, yikes, I need to leave my job. And Boulder is a type of place, and this is similar to a lot of, I think, mountain towns or just towns out west that people are really living like alternative lifestyles. They're not on the same track that I feel like a lot of the cities that I've lived in, like New York and Boston, are on, where it's like career track, family track, marriage track, like all these very tried and true paths where I didn't really see myself in fitting in any of those first in the first place, but then living in Boulder allowed me to kind of expand my thinking of what is possible for me in my life and gave me the chutzpah, if you will, <laughs> to quit my job and go down this path of, of podcasting. And I had already been podcasting for a little while. Like I had already started one with a friend of mine, Jonathan Ronzio, in the outdoor space. And so I had a few years with the medium, but I was also just like obsessed with podcasting. Like every single sentence I start with most people I know was like, I was listening to this podcast the other day. So I'm just like that annoying person <laughs> as well. So <laughs> um, the space is rad. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely find myself doing that all the time. Like, so I listen to this podcast and it was this, 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 like about any subject. It could be about this reality show, like somehow I'm like, what yeah. or yeah, some deep, deep life-changing stuff that yeah. I, I've binged so many and, or like, Hey, this murder. You're going to love this murder. Yeah, totally. You've got to listen to this one. That's awesome though. Um, so you moved from the east to Boulder. What we were you doing when you were back east? Like, what were your outdoor hobbies that you were trying to, you wanted to be closer to in mm. Boulder? Yeah, I was newly into rock climbing. So we were going up to New Hampshire pretty frequently to go to Rumney, which is a really incredible climbing area, huge climbing area. Um, it's awesome up there. And in fact, I will probably eventually, hopefully buy a vacation home up there so I can go there more frequently. But 
we were going up to Rumney and we were also doing, you know, in the Northeast, there's like a few mountain ranges that, you know, people in the West might say like, those aren't mountains, they're <laughs> hills, but <laughs> they're still mountains. And um, so there's all these challenges that you can kind of put together with these mountain ranges. That's awesome. I mean, there's the Adirondack Mountains in upstate New York, which is where I grew up. And there's the Green Mountains in Vermont. There's the White Mountains in New Hampshire and kind of over into Maine. And then Maine is also like the end of the Appalachian Trail too. So there's like all this really cool trail history and opportunity in the Northeast. So we were going every weekend to either climb or hike. Winter hiking in the Northeast is awesome, especially in New Hampshire. It's like very accessible. There's very little concern about avalanches, which is not the case here. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just accessible all year round in that way. So we wanted to be closer to all of that. And in Boulder, I mean, we could go 15 minutes and we're at a crag and we're, you know, we're climbing in the afternoon, or we can go five minutes and we're at a trailhead for, you know, getting a hike with our dog in, in the afternoon. So it just mattered to us to be able to infuse that every day instead of just every five days we get to go. And we were we were both working at the same company. Um, my partner still works there, but we would like come back from these adventures and we would like explain what we did. Like, yeah, we slept in our car at the trailhead. It was like ten degrees. We just like cuddled up, and the, people's minds were like absolutely blown about that. Like, they were like, "Why the hell would you decide to do that if no one's forcing you to do that?" Yeah. They're like, is everything okay at home? <laughs> right. Like, are you, is it, are you getting bangs or yeah. are you in like a midlife crisis or what was happening? And um, here, I mean, everything is normalized. Like any sort of intense, like outdoor thing that you want to do is just like someone's Tuesday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just like, it, it just opens up the brain and the eyes to what is possible. Like, like I said, just from a career standpoint, but also from just an outdoor pursuit standpoint and infusing that in our lives. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, Cause I've experienced this here and we've talked a little bit with Jen Gurecki, the founder and CEO of coalition snow um, about this like mountain town elitist mentality. And so what's happened for me is I started having this internal battle of not feeling enough being in this community because now it's, you're not a, like out of the average by going on these weekend trips and people are like, wait, what? You like slept in your car and did this or that. Like you tell someone around in these mountain towns, they're like, you know, one up you like, yeah, well I did that in a tent, like for five days <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and then for another three weeks over here or whatnot, you just start to, yeah, it almost the pendulum almost swung the complete opposite way where I was like, wow, I feel so, so average about mm -hmm. life now. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you ever went through any feelings like that of like, oh, wait a second. Now I'm, now things that I'm doing don't feel great or incredible. They just feel boring. <laughs> Dude, totally. Oh my gosh. The first two years of being here, I had this thought in my head because I, I'm very scared of rock climbing, but it's like still one of my favorite um, sports. And so it's something that I am like actively always trying to work on. But I thought by moving here to a place where rock climbing is like one of the languages of this place, mm -hmm. that I would immediately be really good at climbing and able to overcome my fear and all these things. And for about a year and a half, maybe two years, I was like, 
no, I don't want to do this anymore. Like there's too many other people around me that are like doing way better than I am. Like I'm not having a good time with this and just comparing myself to every single person. Like I go to this climbing gym, there's probably 10 pro climbers there at any given moment. And so it's like, I'm going to be confronted with these people who are like at these next levels, upper echelon of these sports that I'm really, you know, excited about for the most part. Mm -hmm. So for the first two years, I would say that was a real challenge for me. And in the last like year or so, I've worked with several uh, mental coaches about that because, um, I just couldn't figure out how to push through that barrier like on my own. It wasn't really working. You know, the negative storytelling I was giving myself was not, funnily enough, not working for my benefit. Weird, you know? And so working with people to really establish like more of a baseline for just my own progress and my own sport, this is for me. Mm -hmm has been like life-changing in that. But certainly when I got here, I was like, everyone calm down, you know, like (laughs) I don't care how fast you did this trail or if you sent, you know, this type of climb or if you're able to ski triple black diamond, like I just don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. But part of that I think was also me being like, I feel less than. So I'm like Mm -hmm. attacking the people who are like (laughs) being elite or like, going for it. So yeah, it's a tough one. I think it kind of just, it transfers to different parts of my life and different sports, but Mm -hmm. just the same lesson being learned pretty consistently of like, this is for me. This is my thing like that I want to do. You know, I I am deciding to go to the gym, to go to the crag, to go to the trailhead. So I'm going to be here for this moment. Mm -hmm. And what is that going to teach me? You know, and, and that's been really awesome, but it's not a perfect practice for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm just realizing really, it was when I talked to Jen at Swell, um, the event that the Outstring put on in September, that someone else like put this into kind of words for me that I was feeling for so long, but not really voicing or explaining. And it's again, one of those things that you realize or moments that you're like, oh, cool. I'm not the only one experiencing these feelings. So it really must mean that I'm, I'm not just like, you know, this average person or whatever. And even so, like you, like you mentioned, you just have to kind of be like proud of yourself and what you're doing, right? Not, not comparing yourself to what everyone else is doing, but it can be really hard in these environments to not compare yourself to the next, especially when it feels like, whenever you're trying to tell someone about an experience, they're just like having a better one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, something that you just said just sparked this thought. So I wonder if this resonates with you too, which is like, there's a switch when you live in these towns where you finally realize after all of your childhood and always being told that you were special and that you were unique and perfect on everything that you are average mm-hmm. and sometimes lower than average, depending on what you're thinking about. Yeah. But I am almost thinking like that is kind of freeing because yeah. like, I don't need to be the number one person at all mm-hmm. these things that I'm trying to do. And I can just like carve out this little life for myself that feels really fulfilling and enriching without being like, okay, well, I'm not as good as that person. I'm not as good as that person. I'm not as good as that. I'm just average. It's like, I mean, 
millions and millions of us are average. Yeah. <laughs> like we're yeah. all in this together, you know? And so I don't know. The, the word average obviously is a little triggering because it kind of like goes against everything we've been taught about being special mm-hmm. and all these things. But I do think there's a bit of freedom in that too, where it's like, huh, my gosh, I can just like work on improving what I want to work on improving. And that can be enough for me. Yes. And that's very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're always looking for the next the next thing, the next best, always trying to achieve more when it's like just going on your own journey is great enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, absolutely. Because it's all all relative and like perspective, right? So you just can't, can't compare. And what you said just there reminded me too of something that Sensi Greaves talked about when she was on our podcast. And it was along those same lines of like how freeing it was to not care what other people like think about you and for you not to have that kind of comparison just like wow what a freeing thought to be like I don't I don't I just don't care I don't care like and I was like (laughs) wow that is amazing yeah it doesn't mean that you're disconnected from anything it just means that you're truly doing what you're doing because you you want to do it um, and you're not really focused on the outcome or what other people are thinking about it. So those are things that I definitely need to remind myself probably on a daily level. You know, if I, if I could stick to a routine and do like affirmations or something, I would, that would probably be one of them, <laughs> but that happens like once. And then I'm like, uh, totally forget about ever doing it again. So <laughs> yeah, same. like that in journaling, I'm like, leave me alone. Yeah. I, can't, yeah. I can't be bothered with these things. Like totally. I know they're probably good for me, but you know, everyone take their own path I, as we're talking you know, about. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just feel like the days go by so quick that by the time I finally get around to feeling like I want to write in my journal, I look, I'm like, oh my God, it's been a, a year or like eight months. I'm like, how that happen? Like, cause every time the thought comes by, I'm like, Oh, now the day's gone and another one has passed. Yeah. But, and you know what? It just, it's whatever. It's my own journal. So I can write it yep. however often I want, mm-hmm. but I am curious. So your relationship uh, from conversations or that we've had kind of before this, you spoke about kind of losing your relationship with the outdoors for a bit of time. And I'd like to hear like a little bit about that. So we talked about you getting into climbing and hiking and all that in the East, but what was this time period where the, uh, the outdoors kind of disappeared from your life? Mm, yeah, I, I think it's just this climbing period um, where I moved here and I was just like really not enthused with the vibe. <laughs> I was like, you know, I I can talk about it now in a different sense where I'm like, oh, I love that people are like pushing boundaries and going for it. And that's very inspiring. But a different version of Emily was like, these people are attacking me with their greatness and I cannot handle it. (laughs) Um, And so I think like just getting really burnt out on that and getting burnt out on the idea of like Strava and like sharing your stuff that you're doing and your hike and you're looking at other people's hike and there's like this FOMO stuff. It's just Mm -hmm. like this endless, endless spiral of like potential to compare yourselves to other people. And it's just never, never helpful, like never helpful. Um, only is it helpful when I'm like learning a new skill where I'm like, I need to watch how this person does this so that mm-hmm. I can learn how to do it. So it, I went through phases of like 
you know, stopping following people who are making me feel bad, even if like they're just sharing lovely parts of their life. But for some reason, I cannot follow them. And it's, yes. you know, it's it's not about them. They're not attacking me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I needed to get rid of that. And then more recently, over the last like six months or so, I've just deleted, I, I don't have Instagram on my phone. And that's been like a really big, <laughs> thank you, Amber. Um, that has been like such a big change in my life and in my mental game of like, yeah, I still look at it on my desktop sometimes, but maybe once a day versus, you know, every 10 minutes picking it up, seeing how I'm not measuring up to these other people in my little mm-hmm. stratosphere. So that has been <clears throat> game changing. And I think that like anyone who's feeling that level of like, I'm not good enough. I can't be good at the sport. This person's career is further than mine. Yeah, maybe all it takes for you is just to like remove the people who are making you feel shitty on those mm-hmm. things, but also highly, highly recommend potentially just deleting it from your phone, even if it's just on the weekends or something like that. So you can take a little break from the comparison game. That's been freaking legendary for my mental health. Awesome. I know that Amber has done that quite a few times in the last six months to to year she'll send me a message like sorry i'm off instagram right now like you know i'm not i'm not sharing things just because i'm not on i deleted it from my phone i'm like no worries i totally get it um i i've done the thing of muting people i like that feature now that you don't have to just quit following people um and then do the awkward like follow back thing (laughs) or something later you can just mute them especially because sometimes it is my friends i have muted like really good friends of mine, because I'm at a place that it is, and by no fault of theirs at all, it's just making me feel really bad seeing that they're out there, you know, adventuring around every week and living in whatever kind of van life or adventure life and have this job that obviously on the outside seems a lot more glamorous than you're not seeing the work behind the scenes, but it's just like, oh, cool. I wish that I was doing that and not just sitting here. And you're just thinking of all the worst things and again, comparing it. But yeah, I'm like, I, I don't want to have these weird, resentful feelings for my friends. Mm -hmm. So I have to just not look at what they're doing and wishing that I was there with them every weekend. And so I definitely encourage you, like, it doesn't matter if it's your best friend, like mute them. I have done that. (laughs) Like, hey, I need a, just can't see what you're doing every day, but it's been harder for me. And I think this is an excuse for a lot of people maybe, but, you know, thinking about a business aspect and that's why I'm on social media, whatever, it feels impossible to, to not be on it. Cause it just seems like it's a never ending rat race that you have to keep posting consistently or whatever. So that when you do post finally, it's people are seeing it. Um, but so I think that if you are using it for business, there's still ways you can moderate like the consumption, like what you're actually consuming of it rather than what you're, you can just put things out there and not have to take all the stuff in. Um, and Strava is yeah. an interesting one too. I went years <laughs> without using it. Like I forgot about it and then I got back into it. And even there, I hardly follow anybody. Cause I'm like, I don't run. I hate running with like a passion. And when I'm scrolling and I just see these people running 18 miles a day or whatever, I'm like, maybe I should start running. <laughs> like, like my Peloton yoga showing up there or my like Peloton spin classes and my CrossFit workouts. But Strava is way more about like distance sports. It seems, you know, how many miles, how much elevation and stuff. And 
Yeah, I uh, I definitely can't get too sucked into Strava because it's a totally weird um, comparison. And I know that most people listening to our pro- podcast are probably familiar with it since we have so many outdoor enthusiasts. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I went home uh, to Washington. Uh, this was a few months back. And I was talking to a couple of my my friends about Strava. I was like, oh, yeah, on Strava. And they're like, what the fuck is Strava? (laughs) (laughs) That's the, like, lack of awareness that I would love to have about the outdoors. (laughs) Same, right? I'm like, oh, dang. All right, well, it's just a hiking tracker. And they're like, why would I care about tracking my hike or walk, like my daily dog walk? Like. That's a good point. I don't know, but miles, man, <laughs> yeah. miles on this body. Yeah, I'm such a nerd. Like, well, I I hate numbers as far as like when it comes to math type stuff, but when it comes to like data numbers, I I have to see them. Like when I am exercising, uh, like say a spin bike. I love one that has all the metrics on it versus done. Like I have to know what speed I'm going at and what resistance and things like that. So that I am, but again, it's like, because of comparison mindset, I'm like comparing today to yesterday rather than just like going off of how I feel. Yeah. I feel like it's both, right? Like you can also, you can want to go off of how you feel some days, especially like if you're on your period or like you have cramps or like maybe you did a like crazy weightlifting the day before and you, you actually know I should rest today, but I'm not. So I'm just going to take it easy or whatever. But I also think it's totally valid to be like, okay, last time I got this amount on this bike ride, like I'd love to get this and just challenge yourself that little 5%. But it gets tricky when it's like, I would like to get better at this and do 5% more because my neighbor just did it Mm -hmm. and I want to beat them and be (laughs) king of the mountain or queen of the mountain or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good, that's a really good point. I think, uh, again, we've, we've talked about this several times on the podcast in regards to many different subjects, but knowing your why. So if you are starting to kind of get into that rabbit hole of tracking these numbers or whatever. It's like, well, why, why do I want to reach that number today? Is it because I'm truly like, you know, I have a goal that I'm trying to reach or is it because Susan, she keeps popping up and everything. This Susan um, has like, you know, beat me or whatever. Now I have to beat her or whatnot. That's a, that's a good point. Think about why it matters to you of, of tracking those numbers. Um, but I also, okay, getting back to kind of the the working world, I am curious how we got from this Fortune 500. We've moved to Boulder. You're still working at this job. Your partner still works at this same company. How did you make this swing into full-time podcast producing and freelancing and, and all that? Where do you even start? You were just uh, help like, with a friend putting on your own podcast is that was the very beginning of podcasting for you? Yeah, I started podcasting in like 2018, I believe. Um, I I was already writing some blogs for an outdoor uh, website. And then I was doing some vlogs. I don't even know, like, is that a thing anymore? I don't really know. But I was doing some vlogs about some like gear reviews for some packs and stuff. And I was just trying to like, I've, I've never been someone, no matter what job I have, I never have one job. So like I always have something else going on, probably from my my childhood of like growing up with not a ton of stuff. And I was like, I can't not have 
you know, opportunities that I can like rely on if something goes wrong. So I've always had like other things that I'm working on and sometimes to the detriment of my health. But, um, (laughs) you know, when I was working at um, this corporate job in account management, I also worked at a spin studio. So that was like one piece. And then I was like, starting to get back into the outdoors after, you know, college, basically, I didn't really do outdoor stuff in college. And I was starting to go up to the mountains, like we talked about and and be involved in that. And so I got connected with this guy, Jonathan Ronzio, who is a friend of mine now. And we started to work together. He had already sort of built this like outdoor explore exploration adventure website that he was running. And so I was just like writing for him, writing for my own blog about my experiences outdoors, and then also doing that those gear reviews. And then I started going to Outdoor Retailer with him just to see like what types of things we could partner with brands on. Mostly they just gave us free stuff and didn't pay us any money, <laughs> but that is the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and during one of those times in going to OR, we decided to start a podcast and I had listened to podcasts already. Like I was a really big NPR fan. Um, so I like have that in my mind as like the first type of podcast I really was listening to. And then I started the Stokecast, which was like interviewing outdoor athletes and adventurers and entrepreneurs, you know, similar to, to what y'all do. And we had a really good time doing that and really loved the medium. And I just got more and more into podcasting as I was still working at my job. And then in the beginning of 2020, before the pandemic, I stopped drinking. And this wasn't like a um, I needed to, like I went to rehab or something, but it was just like a big shift in my life where I was sort of like slowing down when it came to drinking over the previous five years, but I still like relied on it rel- pretty heavily to help me with anxiety, which is very funny because it does not help yeah. with anxiety. Oh. Um, no, it does the opposite of that. And just like numbing my experience and trying to not feel all the feelings. And so then the pandemic happened a month after I decided to do that, which was actually a godsend because I wasn't able to go to bars yeah. or be around people. Yeah. So I was able to just be like, I'm at home, I'm drinking seltzers, maybe seven a day. I don't know. And <laughs> I'll just buy as many seltzers. Yeah, I'm saving money on my cocktail budget. So I'll I'll just buy all these fizzy waters. Yeah. And um I I really think there's so many things in my life that I wouldn't have done if I was still drinking now. And at the same time, I understand for everyone, they have their own relationship with alcohol and any other ways that they're numbing themselves. And so I just want to be clear that like, I'm not trying to make everyone be sober. However, I just know for me that like was really important to my growth as a human being to like, let that go, grieve that relationship with alcohol, which was a very long one and move on. And so I think with the clarity of mind that that gave me, I was able to then be like, and because I literally couldn't do anything for 2020. Mm-hmm. So I was saving a lot more money than I usually yeah, do. Um, yeah. And so then I, once I hit a year around there of not drinking and I had done like a lot of therapy during that whole process and started another podcast and all this stuff, 
I was like, I don't want to look back on my life and be like, yeah, I just stayed in a job because it like gave me a good security and didn't decide if I wanted to do anything else with my life. And there's a time and a place for that, but my time was coming to an end and uh, I, I needed to move on. And so in like end of June of 2021, I left my job and I didn't even think about working in podcasting. I had no plans. I was going to be a writer and I have written maybe five words. Since I, I was like, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to write a novel and I'm going to do this stuff just because I wrote like five blogs before that. And I very quickly was like, no, I'm not doing that. And I had connected with someone who was like, hey, do you ever like help with people's podcasts? And I was like, light bulb moment. What? Like, I didn't even think that was a thing. And then I started working with him. And as they say, the rest is history. I've just sort of like built out clients and worked with very interesting people. And I've had, you know, the normal ups and downs of self-employment, which are many and often daily. And um, I also like could not imagine at this current moment in my life asking someone to take vacation <laughs> or like I, I can't currently think about that just because my lifestyle has shifted so much since I worked for someone else. Um, so yeah, that that's a very long-winded story, but essentially that's how I started doing this whole podcasting thing. Yeah. Well, I think that it doesn't matter that it's long-winded. I think that's helpful because yeah. Yeah. we're <laughs> Like always skipping to the oh, and this happened. I just started. I was gonna quit and try to become. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I like to do is dig into that and kind of like let people know, like, hey, remember there was like mo- many choices made here and a lot of thought probably put into it. You know, well before the choices were made. So it always seems like someone just all of a sudden quit their job and did this or that. But it's like, you just have no idea the inner workings of someone's mind and how long they've been thinking about something or, you know, make, sometimes it's, yeah, just on a, on a whim, wake up one day, they're like, I want to change things and bada bing, bada boom, did it. But if you dig in, most likely there's some other story there that it was sitting mm. for a long time and growing and growing. So I appreciate yeah. the, same. And I love the full thing. You mentioned grieving your relationship with alcohol because that is, it's very important to grieve something that is a change in your, what was your life, you know, like that's mm-hmm. huge. And I w- went and did a grief recovery course. And that was the main part of a lot of the whole inner workings of this thing was like grieving your relationship with something that changed in your life. And with alcohol, that's huge. Mm. It's such an integrated part in our society and our interactions that it's like, it's real. That's real. You had to let that go. And I'm curious, but also if you don't want to share, you don't have to. I'm happy to share anything about that Mm -hmm. whole process. I love talking about it because I also think like the more people talk about it, the more people feel like they can talk about it, even if they're not like at the same place or whatever. So I want more and more people to talk about this as much as humanly possible. Um, Yeah, I I think like in the beginning, it didn't, quite honestly, it didn't feel that hard. And I don't say that to feel like, you know, I'm better than everyone. I just gave it up. I didn't have any issue. I didn't have a physical dependence on alcohol and many people actually do. So at the point where I actually gave it up, 
I had just done dry January and then I like went back to it for a few weeks for just a couple drinks, not like anything extensive. But then I was quickly like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) And I moved on. But there are so many people who have physical dependence and that is like definitely a harder path. And so I just applaud those people so much and say that like find your community, find the people that are around you that can help you support that. And maybe that's a 12 step like AA. Maybe that's like an online community like the Luckiest Club, which I'm a really big fan of. Um, or the Tempest. I think they're still around. They have a lot of great resources as well. So there's so many community resources out there now that definitely were not there, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So whether you're physically dependent or you just want to change your lifestyle and you need more support, there's definitely people around. And the more you start talking about it, you'll realize how many people are coming out of the woodwork to talk to you about it that are also non, non-drinkers non or non-smokers or whatever your thing is. So anyways, just wanted to call that out. But as far as the grieving process, I mean, I started drinking when I was 14 years old and that feels early, but I know people who have uh, started drinking before then. Um, and I really used it to feel cool. <laughs> I really feel that to, used it to fuel like my social energy and to feel quote unquote good about myself. And that worked for a while, right? So like we can't discount that it does quote unquote work for mm-hmm. a while and you are still here. And so something helps you mm-hmm. get there, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, my therapist at the time, I just was kind of feeling sad about like, oh, well, I'll never like have a glass of wine with my partner again. And like, Mm -hmm. we we did that a lot. And we like dance around the house and like be silly or like, I'll never, you know, go out on a date night and have a fancy cocktail again. And and never is a loose term. We have no idea what's to come in my life. um, And she was like, it sounds like you're breaking up with someone and you need time to just be like, wow, you... It, it was really bad, and there was a lot of good that happened there. Like I have a lot of great memories that include alcohol or times in my life where it was a real aid to me, and I wasn't emotionally capable of handling the things I was you know using it to aid me with. So I, I just think that's a great call out of like the grief piece and and that can be anything. like any change that you, are making in your life. Like I think about this with my work around my own anxiety, which is just a constant, you know, (laughs) constant process where I'm sure listeners can uh, resonate with and maybe you guys as well. It's just like anytime you're changing the way that you operate, like you are, that's scary because it's worked for you until now. And so to say, okay, I'm going to change this. I'm not going to feel this way, or I'm not going to react in this way or whatever. It can feel like, well, what if that doesn't work? Like, what if something bad happens? It can feel like you're a little kid again. Mm -hmm. So I just think giving ourselves grace in those moments of like trying to get better and trying to do what's best for our long-term health and happiness, but also being like, and I understand why that's there. I understand Mm -hmm. why it's a companion through all of this. Um, yeah, just, just, there's a lot there, but (laughs) yeah, well, and like you said, it depends so much on every person, you know, aside from 
physical dependency, just the emotional dependency on it too. Like as soon as you can't handle something or don't want to handle something, you know, how are you, how is it there in your life in the first place? Um, And it's just so, so interesting to me how the kind of peer pressure of it, like never fucking goes away. Like, you know, we're (laughs) in our mid thirties and if I go to an event and I don't want to drink it, like most of the people around, it's like, they're going to say something about it. And it's like, Oh, you're not fun. Like you're not drinking. And I'm like, well, I'm not drinking right now because like, yeah. Or are you pregnant? But I'm like, I can be so much fun without drinking. And arguably these days in my life, like you mentioned, you know, you and your partner having a couple glasses of wine and dancing around the living room, right? Like I could be weird and funny as shit, like without alcohol. (laughs) And it almost makes me sad that I got to a point in life that I needed to have that like perfect couple beer buzz to have that kind of fun. Mm. And I want to be my like crazy, silly, like high energy self without that. So it's been kind of an experiment in myself that I've been taking and paying attention to because for me now it's like too many drinks, then I'm just, I'm tired and I'm just going to bed or even just two beers. Sometimes I'm like, okay, now I'm tired and I'm not having fun. And then my mood just switches. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go home. And everyone else has to go home too. The fun ends. (laughs) And if I can be sober, then I feel like I'm trying to enjoy the time more. Whereas there was definitely a a phase in my life of when I wasn't drinking, then I'm just pissed at anyone else who is. Cause again, like the FOMO type situation. (laughs) Um, and, but yeah, I want to like keep up the high energy and I don't feel like alcohol is doing that for me anymore. It's not giving me that fun time. It's just makes me, (laughs) makes me sleepy or just makes me more emotional. Um, and puts me on that, like, bad side instead of taking me away from it like it used to like I said it just is so frustrating to feel like you still have to explain yourself to people it's like I'm just not I just don't want a beer today for whatever reason I am still going to hang out till the party's over whatever I can still have fun I don't mm-hmm. have to be wasted because let me tell you I can also be very not fun <laughs> with drinking too much as we all can be I'm sure I've experienced so <laughs> yeah. I'm just like dude why why does it matter? I just like, if someone says they, they're not drinking tonight, they don't want to be or whatever. You don't have to pressure them of why, 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 or come on. Oh, come on. You like wet blanket. Like that's, all right. that's an incredibly intrusive question. Also, yeah. like if, if you know, people are asking that of other people, put them in check because mm-hmm. honestly, that's a really intrusive question. Like I am fine being asked that, but yeah. if someone, let's say someone is like super physically dependent on alcohol, this is their first time at a bar or an event since they gave up drinking. And one comment like that yeah. might yeah. make them drink. And so yeah. it's like, think about your actions, you know, and, and the pregnant thing is like even more of an intrusive question. Yep. So you don't know if that person is struggling to conceive, doesn't want children, any of these other things that like, there's a lot of weightiness there too. So like, hey, it's mostly men that ask those questions. And I don't think your audience would ask those terrible, terrible questions. But if any men in your life are asking these questions, anyone in your life are asking these questions, put them in check because it is not And mission accomplished. Check. No freaking way. The other thing that I just want to say is this happens to me constantly is 
I will, if I'm meeting someone new and they ask me if I want a beer, I'll be like, oh, no, no, thanks. I'll, maybe I'll get an NA or something like whatever. I don't explain myself, first of all. Mm-hmm. So they don't, if they're a new person to me, they don't really deserve that unless they're like actually curious and like, oh, really? Like if they come with curiosity and it's yes. like, seems like a real conversation, then that's very cool. Mm-hmm. However, I'll oftentimes, probably 50 to 75% of the time, if I'm newly meeting someone and I tell them that I don't drink, they'll be like, well, I don't drink on Wednesdays. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it's and so when people also are asking those intrusive questions, it always says more about the person who's asking or saying that thing than it does about you and your drinking. I, mm-hmm. That gives me a little bit of peace in my own thought process with it. Yeah. And maybe for people who are listening, like just know that there's something going on for them and we'll just we'll just hold grace in our minds for them. You know, yeah. we'll we'll yeah. give them, you know, compassion in our own minds, but know that that's not a reflection about you and what you need to do for your mm-hmm. life. Whenever yeah. I see people who aren't drinking, I'm always like, dude, good for you. Like, good <coughs> job. Because it is, it's hard to say no a lot of the time. It's like, yeah, yeah. something you could do. And say, hey, good job. <laughs> yeah, that's think- a great reframe. And, and yeah. like, it goes back to, Taryn, like what we talked about before, which is um, no one, the other thing is like, if you're thinking about doing this and you're like, I don't want to go to a bar and not have something in my hand. Mm-hmm. First of all, so many places have options now. So even if it's not an NA beer, you don't want something that tastes like alcohol, get just a soda water, get mm-hmm. like a kombucha, get, you know, an interesting like uh, Topo Chico or something oh. like that. Like, yeah. you know, just do that. And then the second thing I would say is like, yes, people make comments. People are assholes. That is for sure. But at the same time, people are not watching you the way that you think that people are watching you. And that is incredibly freeing back to like the average conversation where it's like, can't, no one cares what you're doing unless they're an asshole. And so if they're an asshole, we don't care about them. Yeah, exactly. Like, (laughs) so no one cares what you're doing and truly how freeing is that? Wow. What a concept. <laughs> and I think it's like if you're just going to a bar to, to go meet a friend or just go be social or something, people definitely aren't paying attention to like, is that a like a mocktail? Is that a NA beer? Like, what's that person doing? You know, if you're going to an event and where you know everybody, then it might be a little more anxiety ridden because depending on who you hang out with, too. Right. And many people might ask, oh, why aren't you drinking? Why aren't you drinking? I think that you can kind of prepare yourself for the situation and come up with like a, a response that you can tell people. When I, I've gone through a few different times of not drinking, um, like taking a month off or whatever. And when I did it after my dog died, I was so upfront with people that I think it scared them that they're like, why aren't you drinking? Is it because I'm emotionally incapable of handling drinking alcohol right now and other yeah. substances? Like mm. I need to be like 100, like, anything else that I do is just going to make my frame of mind worse. It is not going to make me feel better. And I know that. And so I'm not like, I'm emotionally unstable right now. And they were like, Oh, and it's like, I don't have a problem telling people that because they didn't ask any more questions. They were like, Oh my God, what's going on? They were just like, yep. Okay. Sorry. Some of them like too much. Like didn't need to know that. I'm like, then don't ask. You don't want to know. Don't ask. And (laughs) so, you know, I think, like I said, having a response kind of ready, whether it's truth or 
averting the question or whatever can be helpful. So you know how you're going to answer people and you're going to answer them the same each time, especially if it's something you're exploring, uh, trying to do long term. It's almost like, again, an affirmation of your own, of reminding yourself why you're doing it in the first place, that yeah. it's like really actually important to you. Or yeah, maybe it's just a break for whatever reason. And now I don't feel like I have to explain myself at all. Uh, if people do ask, I'm just like, whatever. Because again, I do still drink, but there's times that I like to go to an event or go out and I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like drinking tonight. Um, and it's just like, just tell them like, no, I'm not drinking. And if they keep bothering me, like, I don't care. Like I'm not, I'm not drinking. And unless you're like, even if you buy me the cocktail, I'm not fucking drinking it. So why does it matter to you? I'm not, trust me, I'm not going to be more fun. And now you're really making me not fun. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting place to navigate. It is, I feel like getting easier. Like you mentioned, there's more support groups around and more options because at least if something's in your hand and just for me personally, when I'm out at some events or things like I, I want to drink something. You're so used to it that having a mocktail or an NA beer, first of all, gets people off your back and it just makes you feel normal too, that you're not just yes. drinking water. It makes you feel like you're a part of the group as well. Um, and and not feeling left out. So, yeah. I mean, you're literally having to, when you do this, the same thing that we talked about with like grieving, right? It's like you're creating new brain grooves. Yeah. Yeah. That's difficult and that takes time. And you already have a brain groove that says, every time I go to the bar, I have a drink in my hand. Yeah. And so for you to be stopping drinking or anything that you're trying to do, stopping drinking, and then also trying to show up to a place and do another habit that is different. Like you're really making it overwhelming for yourself mm -hmm. to have to do those things. And if you don't can't go to those places early on, if that's what you're deciding to do, don't go to them. Like, you know, don't go or ask people to get coffee or go for a hike instead or do like a pottery class or like something else that is not centered around that thing. So I'll get off my soapbox, but there's so love many it, resources yeah. out there. I, I really love the book, Sober Curious. It's a really accessible book of like this woman, her name is Ruby Warrington and she, she essentially is sober, but like once a, in a while, she'll be like celebrating at a wedding and have a glass of champagne. And she mm -hmm. sees those as usually like reminders that I don't really like this for my full-time thing that I do all the time. But anyway, so sober curiosity is is kind of like a theme or a, mm -hmm. a movement, if you will. And that's a great book if you're just curious about it. And also, I love the book, We Are the Luckiest. It was written by the person who runs The Luckiest Club, which is the, oh. that community that I talked about. So those two books are really great. And if you're a female, which I imagine... <laughs> Uh, a lot of your audience is. Mm -hmm. um, there is a book called Quit Like a Woman that was really important to me in the beginning of my not drinking. So those three books, I think, are really good place to start for your own journey if you're just curious about it and doing your own research. I love that. I well, will try to link all that stuff in the um the groups in the show notes as well. I have one more note on that too, just from your the book reference. It's like. Sober Curious is definitely popping up. It's everywhere you see it. And it seems like, you know, quote unquote fad. And it's like, whatever. It's so weird that like something that's really good for you can be a f considered a fad. But um, 
I think uh, reframing your mind in the first place, right? You, it doesn't have to be forever. You don't have to be like, I'm never, ever, ever, ever drinking again. But if you spend so much time like lessening your drinking or, you know, completely cutting it out of your life, uh, like I'm, like I said, in a place that really after a couple of drinks, I'm just kind of like done. Cause I, I don't like the feeling just recently. I was like, wow, I started to feel a little buzz. And I was like, I actually hate this feeling right now. You know, you like, you look for that. But for me, I was just like, maybe I hadn't had it in a while, but I was like, whoa, I hate this change of like moods and, and things that are happening. And now I'm suddenly like, you know, I want all the snacks. <laughs> it was just weird. I was just like, I, it was the first time ever that something clicked to me that I was like, I do not like the feeling of being buzzed. It's almost like how I feel about getting high is like, I'm not much of a like marijuana smoker or anything because I don't really enjoy being high. Cause it's to me feels like less control than like drinking. Cause you just never know what you're going to get or how long it's going to last. And that's how I was starting to feel with this buzz. I was like, Oh my God, how long is this going to last? Like now my whole day has changed and I'm, I don't want to feel this way. I want to go back to like being on task with what I was doing. So point being mm-hmm. that if you take a break and you come back to it and you're having that celebratory glass of champagne or something, well, that just might make you realize like, Oh, actually I don't even like, like this yeah. anymore. And and that's just all it has to be is like, I just I don't like it. I don't want to do it. Uh, I love it. Yeah. She yeah. calls it like instead of relapses, she calls it reminders in, oh. the, in the book. Yeah. So I, I like that reframe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. A lot. Well, Emily, this conversation I think has been just amazing. I've loved hearing about how you got into kind of podcasting, taking that leap Uh, from a corporate job and kind of rediscovering outdoors and all just so many things in that I feel like anyone can relate to, right? It's not some crazy, crazy thing that people, everyday people can feel like I can't do that because that's the point. We are everyday people. And we talked about, you know, being average and that feeling early on. I wanted to note too, in our podcast, like description, um, that I send out and like in our pitch deck and you've probably, you might've seen it in the bottom of the email newsletter, but I talk about talking or actually it's in our, um, our intro talking about talk. I talk about speaking with leaders of their industry and leaders of mediocrity, like, because that's just, it's just us just like everyday people that we're, you know, not anything extraordinary, not anything that anyone out there can be. You just have Mm. to sometimes take the leap of faith and yeah, find your own path. You mentioned uh, in the East or in bigger cities, this kind of the, the more linear life, go to school, get married, have kids, kind of da 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 That's another one of our taglines is like, you know, not the linear, like life is not linear. Um, so we're off of that path. And yeah, just creating your own path, however that looks. And you could be on that linear looking path to society and then take a hard left. You can never, like, you can always turn off the road you're on. You never for better or worse, yeah. you for better. You get there. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Just you got to make it a little zigzaggy, mm-hmm. I think, twisty, curvy, uh, maybe a dead end and turn around a U-turn, whatever. It's like yeah. <laughs> you want your map to to look crazy, that little red line. But yeah, uh, before we sign off, I just want to know if there's anything that you want to leave the people with, any nuggets of information, encouragement, and also where people can find you to follow you for whatever reason, if it's uh, to work through 
or connect through like career or just to sober curiosity stuff, anything like that. Yeah, I have a calendar here next to my desk that I'm like writing themes of each month on. So I'll just share what's been motivating and inspiring as themes for me this month. And Mm -hmm. hopefully that resonates with people. There's two things. So the first is I took a masterclass on using improv principles for your life and how to like use them in business settings. And so I have a big theme right now of yes and. And that's just like a normal improv principle, which is essentially just saying like, someone comes to you an idea, they present something to you, they're bidding something to you. You go, yes. And you add on and you don't just go to the negative. No, that's not going to work type of vibe. It also happens to be the name of Ariana Grande's newest song. So that's also very helpful. So um, (laughs) I wrote it down before she released it too. So it is Kismet. Yes. It is Kismet. (laughs) The second thing I wrote down as a motivating thing right now that I hope other people will be motivated by too is stop listening to your own bullshit. Stop listening to your own bullshit narratives that you're telling yourself. I know they're tried and true. I have them too. That's why it's a theme for me. Mm-hmm. But let's just make 2024 the year of not listening to those narratives anymore. No more. So I that love is, those that. are the two that I would go with. And then as far as where to reach me, um, like I said, I'm not really on Instagram, so not there, but on <laughs> LinkedIn, it's just Emily Holland. Maybe we can put it in the show notes and that's where I'm most active. But um, I'm always open to chatting about yeah, sobriety or business or podcasting. So you can also just email me at emily at emilyholland.co. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll definitely link all that. And like I said, uh, get the Amber, did you write the books down? Yes, ma'am. Okay, cool. We'll link those, those books, the groups and where you can find and connect with Emily. I've been loving LinkedIn lately. Anybody out there who is just kind of more on that career focus for whatever reason, looking for resources or looking for new paths or anything like that. I like LinkedIn seems to be going off. Um, so, and it's just a different change of pace from your normal socials, a little more inspiring than like comparing. So I'd say like, get, get active on there and start checking it out. Yes. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. This was great. And I hope all of you out there again, got a little nugget of something, inspiration, motivation, um, and relatability. So thank you all for joining us and we will talk to you next week bye yeah thank you we hope you enjoyed this episode and would do us a huge favor since we don't have any sponsors or anything like that and would rate and review us on whatever platform it is you use, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, whatever it is. And if you're listening and downloading just through the website, tearingituppodcast.com, leave comments. Um, We'll definitely engage back with you. And on social media right now, we're just on Instagram, tearingituppodcast is the handle. Like the posts, share the posts, comment on the posts, whatever it is you got, um, show us your love so we just stay relevant and show up in the rankings at all. So again, rate and review, please. And we'll see you next time. Thanks.